resume all the rusty activities that we normally would have here at the church uh, starting today. Uh, with that, uh, tomorrow we would ask you to uh, pray uh, Monday nights at 7 a.m. We open the church for those that are dealing with narcotics, anonymous, and their addiction. So we'd ask you to pray not only for those individuals, but also for their extended families. You know, the families go through terrible, terrible experiences. So be mindful and pray for those within our community as well as our church family. Our next family ministry will meet uh, next Sunday, December 6th, at the church from 6 to 8, and we, our plans are to resume all the Sunday school activities next Sunday as well. We'll be decorating the church on Saturday, December 5th at 9 a.m. We want to thank those of the congregation who came uh, this past uh, two weeks and cleaned up outside, so most of the outside work is finished. We'll just spend our time decorating the inside, and I'm sure we'll be finished within probably two hours. So if you have time this Saturday from 9 to 11, uh, we'll put you to work decorating the inside. Also, we are in need of some volunteers to help us with visuals. I know some of you might say, well, you're not all that accustomed to working with visuals and computers. And uh, I could tell you, it's really pretty simple. If they could teach me to do it, piece of cake. But anyhow, they'll have a sort of a little training that will be conducted on December 6th. So if you're interested in doing that, that would be uh, greatly appreciated and a big help. So again, they have a scheduled a training on December 6th. Our next workday at the Donegal Food Bank, and again, the food bank would like to thank everyone who's provided donations. We uh, provided 70 boxes of food for Thanksgiving. Uh, day and our next work day is January 6th from 1.30 to 3.30. If you're free, please see me so I know exactly how many people we have to work that day. Uh, <clears throat> we also, as I said, as we resume opening up the church, we will resume with uh, Sunday morning prayer meetings that meet in the fellowship hall at 9.15. So we'll start restart that next Sunday. Our Christmas Eve service, candlelight service, is scheduled for 7 p.m. on December 24th. We ask you to join us for that great celebration. And then our annual uh, business meeting, we'd ask you to be mindful and to put that on your schedule on January 31st, immediately following the service. In the meantime, uh, the leadership teams are finalizing the budget as well as the changes that uh, we're going to propose to the congregation. All that information, the budgets and those changes, you'll get copies of that uh, on uh, Sunday, December 15th. So, but be in prayer as they continue to finalize that. Also, uh, this Sunday, you won't see the Wickers. They went to uh, the Carolinas for Thanksgiving and now they're quarantining. So uh, please uh, pray for them as they try to quarantine and uh, uh, and get through that process. And that means this Sunday, we have the privilege of hearing Elder Dave Mueller uh, uh, give us the message from Luke, and his message is the gift of Christmas. So I think we'll all be blessed by that. So with that, I think those are all the announcements. Would everyone please stand for the call to worship? And our call to worship today, since it's part of the Christmas season, is from Isaiah, Isaiah 40, Isaiah 40, verses 1 through 5. 
Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that, that her time of forced labor is over. Her antiquity has been pardoned. And she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for your God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Praise be to God. Let's worship him this morning. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, his mercy is more. What love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all-knowing, he counts not their sum. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more. Since they are many, his mercy is more. Patience would wait as we constantly roam. What father so tender is calling us home? He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us, His blood was the his life was the cost We stood neath a debt We could never afford Our sins, they are many His mercy is more Praise the Lord His mercy is more Stronger than darkness Every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. 
Uh, before we pray together as a congregation, just a few updates for you guys as you've been praying. Um, first of all, um, Dave Mueller and Joanne Mueller's son, uh, we're praying for him for, for the COVID he had, and he's feeling better, Dave said this morning. And I think everybody else at New Hope who's had the COVID patients the last couple of weeks is, is on the mend, um, as far as my knowledge uh, that people I've talked to. So that's a, that's a praise. Um, Another update is uh, Sharon Zilko just asked for some prayer. She has a lot of uh, physical issues at this point. So just remember to be faithful and praying for her throughout the days and this week just for, for her and her physical uh, limitations and everything. So just pray for her. And then also, um, uh, where is, I saw, where is Ruth at? Is Ruth up here? Hey, Ruth, how, how are things going with you? We've been praying for you. Any updates for you as far as your legs and everything? Okay. 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 
All right, we'll continue to pray for Ruth. We have been, and we will do that. So, and then the final one is we got a, a message from Tommy and Laura Whitmer this morning. Um, and they just simply asked, they're in the early stages of pregnancy and uh, having some few issues going on there. And so they just asked that their church family would cover them in prayer and just to be praying for the health of the baby, health of the pregnancy going forward here. So just be mindful to be remembering them this week as they try to figure out what might be going on and everything. So other than that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning as a church family. Uh, what a great privilege it is to come to you together and talk to the, the creator of this world, the creator of this universe, the sustainer of, of everything, Father, um, the one true God that we sing about and that we read about, Father. And so this is who we are talking to this morning. We come with humble hearts. We come with hearts that are open to uh, realizing the work that you have done in our lives and that you have um, ordained in, in, a, in the lives of all that attend here, Father, uh, thanks to the work of your Son uh, on the cross and rising from the tomb. But we, we want to praise your holy name this morning as we have a unique opportunity on Sunday mornings to come together to um, sing to you, to uh, pray with to you, and to hear your word being taught. Um, we cannot match this in any way the rest of the week, Father, as a, as a church family. So uh, we come together this morning and we present these requests before you um, and wait to see how you will work in all these things, how you will change us, how you will change this church, and how you use this church for your glory. And so we're grateful that we can call you the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and that there is only one true God that we serve and that we worship this morning, Father. Father, we also want to be mindful to remember to uh, come with you with an attitude of confession to Father, that we... Um, we don't rush past that. As, as we know our lives, even though that those who have trusted in Christ are redeemed uh, uh, people, that we still struggle with sin in our lives on a regular basis, Father. And so we want to be mindful to uh, remember to confess those things throughout the days and the weeks, Father, that we spend time with you. Um, those things that we have fallen short, we know the Ten Commandments are never going to save us alone, but they are a guide for us. They are to show us our sin. And when we do see those clear, sinful things in our life, that we would repent of those sins, that we would, we would be asked saying we're sorry, and that we ask forgiveness for those things, and you are faithful to forgive. Uh, help us not to rush by that. Um, it's, not a, it's not something that time alone will heal, um, but we need to, to confess those things of our attitudes and our actions this week, and maybe even this morning, um, that, that we're not of you. And so, Father, um, help us to be mindful of that as we uh, approach you in prayer and throughout our days and weeks, Father. We're sorry for those things, and we want us to, we, we know you want us to be healthy and, and whole and just to um, spiritually, Father, and so I just pray that that was one thing that we would remember to do throughout the days and weeks. Um, again, we are thankful for just for the work your son has done, that we can uh, call you Heavenly Father. Um, apart from what he has done and his obedience, we would not be able to do that. We would still be at enmity with you, and so we're grateful for the work you've done, for your graciousness in, in all of our hearts that trust in you, to realize that our trust in, in Jesus Christ and what he's done through the gospel um, adopted us into your family. And so we are that, we are continually thankful for the work on that. Um, and even as we finish up this Thanksgiving week of, of festivities and things that we normally do, traditions, um, we are extremely thankful for the, the things you placed in our lives this past week. Um, we know that there's much going on in all of our lives uh, during this, this season and during this, this uh, 
things in the world. Um, but as we take some time to really think about it, there's still a, a huge list we can be thankful for. And help us not to forget that. Um, it's, it's so easy to cast that aside and just focus on the things that are challenges or struggles or hard. And, and uh, you know you're in the midst of them as, all, as well. But um, one of the best medicines for uh, against complaining is to be thankful. And so I pray that you would make our hearts <clears throat> a thankful heart um, as we go forward here in the coming uh, days and weeks, Father. And that would be an attitude and a lifestyle that we tend to go towards is thankfulness, Father. So great. Thank you for this week um, that we've had. And, and as we wrap up here, this, this, this traditional week, Father, um, we do want to pray for um, our family members, our church, our church body, Father, and remember to uh, faithfully and to uh, continue to um, uphold them in prayer. Um, we do think of Sharon. Um, we think that you would just pray for her this morning as she is at home and as she uh, deals with some of these physical limitations that she's been experiencing. I pray that you would just be the encouragement to her. We bring, give some answers to maybe what was going on in her life or as physical things. Um, give those who are caring for her the wisdom they need. Help her to rely on you and trust in you uh, through these these trials in her life father um, strengthen her faith we pray that she would not shrink back that she would uh, spend time in your word and that uh, the word would be uh, healing to her and that would be encouraging to her and so we pray for her this morning we pray for uh, ruth as well as she uh, continues to deal with this numbness in her legs and her feet and, and not sure why this is happening and that for all of us, can be frustrating when we have health issues that don't know why it's happening. And so I pray that you would just uh, calm Ruth, help her to realize that she is loved and supported, and that you will provide the right uh, care for her that she needs to, to diagnose what might be going on and, and maybe what can fix it. Uh, we also pray that she, too, uh, relies on you and your word. We've seen tremendous growth in Ruth over the years and just her faith in you. And so that is encouraging to all of us. And we pray that continues and continue to strengthen that as she deals with this latest issue with her physical health, Father. So encourage her, uh, help her also to feel loved and supported through this time, and we just ask for the answers that, that you provide them in your timing, Father. I pray for the Whitmer family. Uh, it's a blessing that there's another life created and that you have fashioned this child and you know exactly what's going on in, in the womb and what's happening here, Father. So I pray that uh, also, that you would help them to uh, be wise over the coming weeks and months, Lord, as it's so it's such an early stage of pregnancy and and uh, many things that need to take place there, Father. And so it's a miracle um, the work you do in the womb and just how you make a new life. And uh, so we pray for protection over that child. Pray that you would just uh, uh, bring the answers as necessary for Tommy and Laura as they seek uh, medical help and just uh, understanding of what might be going on. Um, but there again, they're no strangers to trials in their life when it comes to pregnancies. And so I pray that you would again um, help them rest in you, um, help them to realize that you are in charge and you are in control and that you are sovereign over this life and that they would, you would grow their faith uh, through this whole trial. But at the same time, um, we pray and ask that you provide the necessary answers and the right care that, that might be necessary to help um, this pregnancy sustain and just continue to be healthy, Father. And so, um, so Father, we, we rejoice with this little life that's been created and that you know intimately and that you've, you've made. And so um, we pray that it would come to full term and that, that for the health of this child. Father, I pray you guide our hearts and prepare our hearts as we hear the word preached in a few minutes here as, as Brother Dave 
um, preach us from your word. I pray that our hearts would not only hear these things, but that we would be doers of the word also, that we would find ways to uh, apply these things that we are learning through your word. I ask the Holy Spirit would guide and direct us and convict us of those things that we need convicted of, and then also uh, throughout the week that we would uh, put these things into practice, um, even, in, even in our lives personally or as we rub shoulders with others, that that these things that we're learning and hearing and, and being taught uh, would not just end here on this Sunday morning, Father, but we would, uh, we would uh, extend it throughout the rest of our, our day and our week as we go about and, and be the gospel to those in our few places around us, Father. So prepare our hearts, I pray. Keep us from distraction. Um, there's many things that can distract us, our thoughts or our whatever we're thinking about today or later this week or things that consumes our mind. So I pray that you would help us to be, to, from being distracted and focus on what, what Dave is saying and what, you're, what you have shown him through his preparation, Father. Uh, we're grateful for this opportunity to gather as a church family. Um, it is a unique, unique case, and it's been a unique year. Um, but we continue to worship you. We continue to praise you as a church family and help us to strengthen us through this trial and through these, these difficult circumstances, Father, in these unique times. Uh, bring us closer, help us to care for one another, uh, and love the church like we should. And we ask for your help, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing. Sing his praises all my days. 
sí. Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke and chapter 1. I was thinking uh, about how our plan had been to decorate the church two weeks ago and that this Christmas sermon would be in the context of a fully decorated auditorium here, but that was not meant to be. Sort of like all of 2020, <laughs> uh, that was not meant to be. I'm going to read our text and then we'll dive into it. But Luke chapter 1, and starting down at verse 67, your Bible might have a little title there, Zechariah's Prophecy. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father, Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we just ask that you would quiet our hearts and open our hearts at this time, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know if you are from a church background uh, that celebrates the church calendar. Uh, I come from a background that did. Uh, and today is the first Sunday in Advent. Advent is a word that means coming. And it is uh, the four Sundays before Christmas at a time to anticipate uh, celebrating the Lord's coming, his first coming. In our home, we have an Advent wreath. It has four candles, well, actually five candles. Uh, the center candle is called the Christmas candle. But the other four candles are lit one each Sunday and they represent different aspects of the promises of Christmas. There's a story of a mother who was once trying to get her kids to remember from the prior Christmas what the candles represented. And her six-year-old remembered hope, joy, peace, and 
and he couldn't remember that fourth candle, which was the love candle. But soon after, he kept saying hope, joy, peace, and his little sister chimed in. I know, I know. Hope, joy, peace, and quiet. Well, that's not exactly it. It's love. Ever feel like this year uh, you are in a movie called Life Interrupted 2020? Well, our text today takes us back to Life Interrupted, I guess, 0 AD. If you remember all the way back to this time last year, Sam preached uh, through the book of Malachi. That's the last book in the Old Testament. And when Malachi's closed in our Bibles, there is a span of 400 years before the events that took place uh, in our story today. 400 years. Now, the context for what we're studying today is actually earlier in the book of Luke in verses 5 through uh, 25. Zechariah was a priest, and by his, by lot, he was chosen to go in on a particular day and burn the incense before the Lord in the temple. And he would do this all alone. And so he went in, and while he's in there all alone, an angel appears to him. And he tells him that he and his wife are going to have a child in their old age. And they were to name him John. And he would become John the Baptizer, a fellow that we studied a few weeks ago in Sam's uh, preaching through the Gospel of John. And Zechariah questions the angel about how this could be since he and Elizabeth were old. And he asks for a sign that he would know this was going to come about. Well, the angel Gabriel, we're told, rebukes him, basically, and tells him, here is the sign. You are not going to be able to speak until the things that I have just told you come to pass. And so Zechariah came out of the temple that day, and he was mute. He couldn't speak. He could only write things down and make hand gestures. Well, fast forward six months from then, and the same angel, Gabriel, comes to Mary and tells her that she's going to have a child and she's going to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And Gabriel tells Mary that even her cousin, Elizabeth, is with child. And so Mary, after the angel leaves her, goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth, and stays a little bit of time. Then fast forward three months. See, we're going to get through this sermon fast if we just keep fast forwarding. And the baby John is born. And fast forward eight days, and Zechariah and Elizabeth present the baby, their baby, in the temple, as was the custom. And he is officially named John. 
And at that moment that Zechariah wrote down on a tablet, his name is John, his mouth was opened. And according to our text this morning, filled with the Holy Spirit, he prophesied. Now those words just kind of flow right by. We're used to prophecy. But think about this. This is, this text is the first word from God to the people in 400 years. They had heard nothing since Malachi. The end of Malachi actually prophesied that one would come in the spirit of Elijah who would go before the Lord. It was a prophecy of this very event that we're looking at today. Our text is that prophecy. Our text is the first word from God in over 400 years. The silence is broken. So we're only going to look at three verses today, so don't worry. <laughs> um, in verses... Uh, 68 through 75, Zechariah reviews the history of redemption through the covenants. And in these verses, he talks about, well, he talks in the prophetic past, as it's called. When prophecies are given, sometimes they're given as if they had already happened. And that's because they're prophecies from God. And what God is revealing about Maybe it hasn't happened, but it will surely come to pass. And so many times prophets speak as if it had already happened, because what could stop the will of God? And he reviews the Abrahamic covenant. Remember the covenant with Abraham that promised blessing for obedience. And the law would later be given as a schoolmaster to lead us to our need for Christ. And this was further unfolded, the Abrahamic covenant, in the Davidic covenant. This was a covenant with King David, where David was promised that someone uh, from his line would have an eternal reign on the throne. That Christ, it was a prophecy about Christ. And as you look at the Gospel of Matthew, it opens up studying the line of David. And it goes all the way back through, I'm studying the line of Christ, which goes all the way back through David. And the other covenant that's revealed in this is the new covenant. Jeremiah prophesied about a new relationship between man and God through a new mediator and through something that really hadn't been in the other covenants, through the forgiveness of sins. That's a new unfolding in this new covenant. So that's a brief summary of those verses. In verse 76, then, Zechariah prophesies about John the Baptist, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. The rest of the prophecy doesn't describe so much what John would do, but what the Messiah would do, what Christ would do. And so our outline this morning is 
the design of Christmas, the reason for Christmas, and the gift of Christmas. And that's in these three verses that we're going to look at. So let's dive right in and look at the design of Christmas in verse 77. The design of Christmas is to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of sins. So the first thing we see about the way God designed Christmas is that it would be a personalized gift, a gift to you, a gift to me, to give his people. I heard a couple of guys talking uh, one day, and they were discussing Christmas and gifts, and the one asked the other, what are you going to give your wife for Christmas? And the, his friend said, well, I think I'm going to wrap myself up in wrapping paper and put a big bow on her and present myself to her. And his friend looked at him kind of strange and said, yeah, I'm not getting my wife much this year either. So I've been thinking about Christmas. Maybe you're still in Thanksgiving mode. Um, I've been thinking about Christmas gifts and what Joanne and I will get our kids and grandkids. And this stemmed from a family discussion earlier uh, this month where we thought of making this a simpler Christmas. Sounded like a good plan. Uh, instead of a bunch of gifts, give gifts of experiences that the whole family could enjoy. Sounds like a great idea, right? Nope. Can't do it. I just can't do it. Um, we will give gifts of experiences like zoo memberships and museum memberships, but I still want to give personal gifts. And why? Because that's how God thinks. See what I did there? I just made my Christmas giving a spiritual discipline. <laughs> that's the way God thinks. Yes, he blesses the church collectively. But the design of Christmas was and is to give a very personal gift, a gift to you. Certainly Christmas is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that's actually Sam's text next week. But it is also that whoever believes might not perish but have eternal life. The design of Christmas is that it is personal. It's for you. And we need to be meditating on these thoughts this Christmas season. There's a missionary story. It's sort of like a beautiful tale from a storybook. This young missionary couple had found each other and began their married life together and their ministry full of hope and anticipation. And it all seemed so perfect. They were happy with their ministry. They were in a loving relationship. And in time, they celebrated the incredible joy of the birth of their first son. And life seemed rich and complete. And they were a family. And then the unthinkable happened. They lost their beautiful baby who suddenly died. And soon the rich and complete life seemed one that was hopeless. Their lives turned from hope to, and joyful anticipation 
to agonizing and being devastated over their loss. Life no longer seemed complete to them. Instead of excitement and new beginnings, there were only endings. Until one day, a knock at the door changed everything in this missionary couple's lives. They opened the door and there was a woman standing there, a local woman, who handed a child to the couple and said, here, this baby's for you. It seemed, the native people called it custom adoption. This mother gave her baby to this grieving couple. It seems a lot more than custom adoption. It seems like the ultimate gift of love. Christmas is a celebration of the Lord's ultimate gift of love to you. God saw our pain, our devastation, our hopelessness and brokenness, and how fragile we were. And he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shouldn't perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is God's ultimate gift. God is saying, this baby's for you. This Christ child is for you. That's what we're celebrating this season. And we need to thank God in this season of thanksgiving for the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, not only is the design of Christmas a personalized gift, but it has a purpose, though. It's also about enlightenment. To give his people the knowledge of salvation. To give knowledge of salvation to his people. Without Christmas, there could be no salvation according to God's plan. Even the Old Testament saints were declared righteous, righteous based on their belief of what God had promised to do. The design of Christmas is to bring the knowledge of salvation to you, to the individual. And we need to personalize these things this season. Now, guys, I don't know if you have ever been sent to the grocery store to buy one more ingredient for a recipe that your wife is making. I am definitely not as grocery store savvy as Joanne. And uh, in the early days, before I gave up, I considered it more of an adventure. Like, if I were the store manager, where would I put this? And the last time I tried this, uh, I finally had to ask a store employee. That's the ultimate defeat. Uh, so to soften it, I sometimes will just have a little fun with it and come up to a store employee and say, look at me. And that gets their attention. See, if I were a bag of almond flour, what shelf would you put me in and what aisle? And then you usually get the answer. The design of Christmas is to make things crystal clear to you. This is the way of salvation, is what 
Zechariah is prophesying about the Christ child to bring to you in the person of Christ, this Christ child, salvation, the way, the true way of salvation. Henry Blackaby once said that the Christ child, uh, he said that you'll never find God asking persons to dream up what they want to do for him. Without a doubt, the most important factor in each biblical situation was not what the individual wanted to do for God. The most important factor what was, was what was God about to do. God reveals his purposes. He brings enlightenment to us so that you will know what he plans to do. When God came to Noah, he didn't ask him, Noah, what do you want to do for me? What would the answer have been? But he says, Noah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm revealing to you my purpose and my will. And it's far more important to know what God is about to do. So we see here that God, through John, was enlightening us to what the Messiah would be and do, bring, bringing salvation. But how? Well, that's the third thing about the design of Christmas. Not only is it a personalized gift, and not only does it bring enlightenment, but it brings enlightenment through the forgiveness of sins. Uh, still in verse 77. We know that salvation comes only through the forgiveness of our sins. There's no other way. And God's design was to provide a substitute to take our just penalty and thus be able to declare us righteous on the merits of the substitute's work. That's called the substitutionary atonement. I mentioned the new covenant a little while ago, and we see that prophesied through the prophet Jeremiah. Listen to Jeremiah 31 and verses 33 and 34. For this is the new covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declare the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And the reason is, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Our sins are the, a sufficient barrier to keep us eternally ignorant of God and separated from God unless, unless, unless there is Christmas. Unless God designs in this great act to provide forgiveness for his people's sins. And that, my friend, is grace. The law showed us God's demands and enabled us to see that we could never meet them. Grace is God making provision for us to meet those needs through his son, Jesus Christ. And it all starts with Christmas. It all starts in this passage. And isn't that exactly what Simeon 
another character from the story, Luke chapter 2, realized when he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And he was holding the baby Jesus. And Anna as well, who was a prophetess. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. How long had they been waiting? 400 years. And now it was all happening. So each year as we celebrate this beautiful season, we remember anew and we give thanks for what the Lord has done, for what Paul describes as his indescribable gift. Or as the message puts it, the message is a paraphrase, for his gift too wonderful for words. So that's the design of Christmas, verse 77. God would give his people a gift that would bring enlightenment as to the way of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Now let's look at the reason for Christmas in the first part of verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of God. Without God's mercy responding to our desperate need, there would be no Christmas. The only reason Christ came at all was by the good pleasure of God's will. But now, because of the tender mercy of God, we have the knowledge of salvation. Now we can have a right relationship with God. Now we can have forgiveness. Now we can have enlightenment. Now we have light through this Christ child. Let me be clear. There was never anything in us that caused God to choose to save us. But it was solely because of his tender mercy. It's hard to translate this concept of tender mercy from the Greek into the English. Tender in the Greek is a reference to the intestines, actually, or the gut at the time was thought to be the seat of emotions. And mercy speaks of showing concern for the needy. So putting it all together, I hope not sacrilegiously, God feels the pain of his people in his gut. So he reaches out to them in their need. That's the reason for Christmas, God's love and mercy. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 put it this way. In this is the love of God was manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Before Sunday school was canceled, I had thought I would, uh, I had intended to flesh out this word propitiation. But then I remembered that our kindergartners and first graders covered this topic, that's a pun intended, this past summer. So find a kindergartner or a first grader and ask them what propitiation means. <clears throat> when Thomas Hooker who was an English 
Puritan and the founder of Connecticut was on his deathbed, a friend came to him and said, Thomas, you're going to get your eternal reward. And to that, Hooker replied, no, I'm going to receive mercy, mercy at the hands of God. The tender mercy of God is the reason for Christmas. God feels it in his gut to come to you. The redemptive mission of Christ was because of God's compassion on us, on sinners. Enough said. I think you can't argue with that. Praise God. So we have the design of Christmas and the reason for Christmas. So all that's left now is the gift of Christmas. Let me finish reading these verses. I'll start back at 77. To give knowledge of the salvation of his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah says the gift of Christmas is the sunrise from on high or the day spring or the rising sun from heaven or the shining star of heaven. Now, every summer, our family takes a beach trip. And every morning, Joanne and I rise, and we are often joined by our grandkids. We rise early to see the sunrise. What beauty, majesty, promise, and potential there is in each new day. Zechariah prophesied that the sunrise from heaven would come to us, the shining star, what beauty, majesty, promise, and potential is found in this baby Jesus who will spend this season celebrating his birth. Jesus is for each of us. The gift of Christmas is the sunrise from heaven. But not only is it the sunrise from heaven, he's also the prophesied one. Listen to a couple of prophecies from the Old Testament. Numbers 24-7. I behold him, but not near. I see him, but not now. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. That was a prophecy about this birth that we're celebrating. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them has a light shone. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Look for those very words in our closing song today, and you'll know how they tie into this story. Not only is he the sunrise from heaven and the prophesied one, but he's also the one in verse 79 who brings us light, life, and peace. To guide light, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace.
this Christ child, this son of righteousness, is also the one who brings the dawn of a new day in our lives, a new life for all those who believe and receive the light of the world. Why could Isaiah say in uh, chapter 9 and verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light? Because of Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. To this purpose of the gift of Christmas, which is light and life and peace, you can also add hope and joy. And yes, you can also add peace and quiet. Peace and quiet, for only Christ can quiet your hearts. What a year we've had. It's awesome to think that this Christ child in this season that we're entering into, we can truly have Christ quiet our hearts and souls. Only Christ and he alone is where any of us is going to be able to find rest this Christmas. This gift brings light, and the gift also brings life to us. Paul says it this way in Colossians 2, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Amen. Light and life and peace. The text, when looked at literally, is saying that Christ can straighten our feet on the path, the path of peace, peace with God, peace with our brothers and sisters. The gift of Christmas, this shining star of Christmas, he's Christ the Lord. He's the baby that we find and celebrate. So Christmas is light, salvation from the dominion of darkness. It's life, eternal union with Christ. And it's peace, peace with God. We're no longer enemies with God, but rather we have the peace of Christ. We have, though, we have, we are those living in the light and life of his love. Christmas is the shining star. It's the day spring from on high, the sun of righteousness. The whole of God's redemptive plan hinges on this one birth. It's a centering point in history and in our lives. So the question is, what does your life center on today? Does the shining star of Christmas live in you? The shining star is a permanent resident. He does not come or go with the holiday season. We all need this shining star, this gift, and we need it this Christmas. I was reminded yesterday uh, when I turned on the radio and the first song I heard was uh, from the Broadway show, Mame, We Need a Little Christmas. And that's what I guess this sermon is about this morning. It's to bring to you a little Christmas. 
we need a shining star. So why not make this Christmas the one that celebrates? Why not make this Christmas the one that celebrates God's design? A personalized gift that brings enlightenment through the forgiveness of sins. Why not make this Christmas the one that celebrates God's reason for Christmas, his own tender mercy and love? And why not make this Christmas the one that celebrates God's great gift, the shining star, the Lord Jesus Christ, our sunrise from on heaven, our dayspring, our prophesied one, our bearer of life and light and peace and hope and joy, and, and you fill it in. And let's covenant together and consider our relationship to the bright and morning star, the star of Christmas, the baby in a manger, this Christ child. And let's do that as we pray. Father God, where would we be without the light, life, and peace that Christ brings us each and every day. Father God, we are eternally grateful this day, this season, for your gift of Christmas. As we lead our lives through this Advent season, send your spirit to remind us of your great love for us in giving us Jesus and give us great joy in his presence. Let us always hear you saying to us, this baby is for you. Let's do that now, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and worship him through this carol.
righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lay his glory by, born that men no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Our benediction this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Go in the light of the Son of Righteousness. Uh, Our brother Jim is going to dismiss us, as was our earlier custom, row by row, starting at the back, and then we ask that you... Proceed outside for fellowship. Thank you.